You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 88. I am your host, Dan Ryan. Joining me this week are Mr. Matthew Much. Hi. Mr. Dean DeFalco. Googly eyes. And absent once again. Like, this is becoming a thing, and I'm not too happy about it. All right, we're the same person, I admit. Okay, you got me. (laughs) Mr. Evan Goldstein not joining us. He's uh, stuck in the city with his big boy job, so... Boo. I thought this was the big boy job. It, well, I as mean, soon as we start getting paid for it, it will be. Oh. Or like IDW, a sponsorship come on. or something. I, well, I mean, other than that. They don't like to share. Um, so, interesting week in comics this week. Um, let's start with Wacky Raceland number one. What the fuck is going on in that book? Seriously. Oh, I'm so glad somebody else feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Wacky Racers was an old Hanna-Barbera thing with Dick Dastardly and his dog Muttley and Penelope Pitstop, and it was just a bunch of fun, lovable characters kind of driving their way across America in a bunch of silly races. And then this book, continuing DC's revamp of the Hanna-Barbera properties, which we have liked up until this point, um, spoilers, <laughs> to this point, I think, anyway. Uh, the, the Hanna-Barbera, uh, um, Scooby-Doo remake was great, and the, the Future, Future Quest, Quest, I thought was really cool as well. This takes the innocent concept of just a wacky race and turns it into a post-apocalyptic Mad Maxian... It's fucking Death Race, man. Death Race it, 2000... Yeah. Fuck, I don't know what the fuck is going on in this book. Uh, um, all right, so uh, I, I'm not going to say I hated it. I just, I, I have to clear that I don't, like, I, I just don't know what's going on. And, like, I understand, after reading it all and then reading it again, like, yeah, I get it. They're going back and forth and, you know, they're trying to explain sort of what's going on beforehand and then how this happened and then going back to in between to establish characters and then going to the race and fuck man bad non-linear yeah like if if they do it well you can do it badly if they just made it linear probably would have been really good well yeah rip out all the pages and put them in order (laughs) The uh, the book starts with the cars, which are apparently sentient now. Um, the cars are in the parking lot of the Armageddon bar, and they're uh, they're talking shit to each other. And uh, one car is talking to Penelope Pitstop's car and says, uh, "You know, as long as I can stare into your headlights, I'm happy, Pussycat." Um, so the cars are trying to fuck each other. So that's a thing. Well, how um, else do you get new cars? Especially in the apocalypse, man. I forgot to mention earlier, uh, we curse a lot in this show, sorry. And we're going to spoil your books. Earmuffs. Earmuffs, kids. Fucking earmuffs. So the the cars are trying to fuck, and uh, a lizard, a six-legged lizard or an eight-legged lizard, I don't know, it's it's the apocalypse. It's dead Uh, now, so. Yeah, yeah, jumps onto one of the cars, and uh, a laser cannon pops out of the car and, and obliterates this lizard. And then there's a drunk dude, and he comes over and pukes on one of the cars, and all the other cars laugh at Dick Dastardly's car because he got puked on. And we uh, we flash inside to the bar, and uh, all of the wacky racers are together, and they're they're getting they're getting their drink on, and a bar fight starts. And what? A bar fight starts because a mutated three-headed thing comes to hit on Penelope Pitstop and says, uh, there's there's three of us where it counts saying he's got three dicks. Did you get that, guys? Because they weren't subtle with it. He's got three peni. Uh, yeah. I, like, th- this, this is not a young kid's book. I hope, no. I hope no parent is like, oh, Wacky Racers. That's, that's so, cool. Uh, 
And then <laughs> that's the thing I liked when I was a kid. There's this... there's tiny tiny print that says rated T. Yeah. I I think T is is even pushing it, man, because like it's 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 kind of racy. Well, yeah, like, racy. Well, because I mean, you put that image in there, and like, all right, this guy shows up, and he's like, I have three dicks. Well, now I'm imagining like what happens with all three of them, and I don't wanna, but well, I have then, to. Then next frame, there's septuplets, and that's just eerie. Yeah. Right after a three dick dude. <laughs> so the you septuplets. You yeah. get one guy with three dicks, or you could get seven dicks. Which is it going to be? It's a lot of dicks in this book. There's like ten dicks in this book. <laughs> ten dicks in two panels. Eight anyway. guys, ten dicks. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, the so, issue ain't over, Dean. No, it's not. So they uh, they start fighting. We have a bar fight, and uh, Dick Dastardly, who has, uh, who has some sweet late 90s uh, dreads, uh, is talking to Muttley, who's all cybernetic and weird looking. Oh, and he's then got we, three legs. Yeah, it's very strange. Three legs. Uh, we uh, we flash over to like the actual race, um, for a pa- for a page for a double page spread, and then we jump to the apocalypse happening, um, and Penelope driving her car and getting uh, washed away by a flood, and then waking up with uh, the announcer. Um, is just this announcer I, guys uh, actually uh, the villain uh, in this? The guy's the villain, son of a bitch. If he makes us race against each other, I don't know that my uh, my minivan is gonna. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, um, I can just hear him. Now wake up, pussy cat. <laughs> he's sort of the uh, the calypso to this not twisted metal. Uh, man, like he just there's a lot of exposition here and. And there's a lot of flashing back and flashing forward. There's fucking sandworms um, flashing back to a bar fight, then back to the race, and there's a fucking Nazi in there talking about, like, bringing Hitler back, and the fucking says that the announcer is an Aryan goddess channeling the Fuhrer. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I... Holy shit, man. After, like, 30 pages of this book, I... I cannot recommend this to anybody. I'm really happy this was the first one I read because, like, that was my only saving grace. They went up from here. They really did. Like, it's not a bad book, I don't think. It looks good. Like, the artwork is cool. There's a lot of shit going on in every panel. It's really greebly. Yeah, like, this this is as detailed as shit. And it all looks good. It flows well. Um, well, it doesn't flow well. Well, the the storytelling well. doesn't flow well, but the panel to panel flows yes, pretty, the, like the, on the page. The art direction <laughs> flows well, yeah. You know what it is? You see this less and less now that you have computer assisted art. Yeah. But the there's motion mm-hmm. within each panel, mm-hmm. and I I've noticed I'm seeing that less because apparently that's harder to do when you're not just using a pen. I don't know. I, I'm not doing it, but... Uh, <laughs> we're certainly not. It seems like people have been producing static images when they're on computers, and then the motion is lost. But this has motion. Yeah. I wonder if it was hand-drawn. I don't know. It, it looks really good, but, I mean, when it got to the last page, um, like, I just, I just didn't care. Like, and I didn't care not because this was not my wacky <laughs> racers from my childhood and whatnot. Like, it I just, sure I, isn't. I just don't care. You know, I mean, they went too far off the reservation with the the title. Yeah, they really did. Because, they really, really did. Like, Future Quest is cool because it's serious, but it still like has those characters intact. Scooby Doo's cool because it still sort of feels like Scooby Doo. Wacky Racers sure as fuck don't feel like <laughs> Wacky Racers, and I get it. Like, you're trying to make something edgier. This is too edgy. This is Chris Nolan. Like off the sorts edge. of edgy man. This is way too edgy for this book, for the yeah, title rather. Yeah, this was uh, this was all types of edges. It was nothing but edges. So, um, it's a pass from me, Matt. Uh, I might check out number two. You will. I know you will. Yeah, report back to us. I will. Yeah, Let us okay. know how it was. I'm uh, happy D- to report back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy that I'll even be re- uh, <laughs> reading it, but I will be. <laughs> Just like. I don't know. 
Dean. Inner battles. I'm I'm cautious. I want it <clears throat> to be good because I want these Hanna Barbera titles to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say like give it a few issues. Maybe it needs to settle because I feel like this one is probably the most challenging out of all three of them. It's probably, pretty. probably. I mean, the the premise for this one is kind of difficult to turn into anything but a competition. Mm-hmm. So it, I I say just give it a few issues, see where it goes. Maybe it'll die down a little bit and sort of straighten out. I'm sure the. The, the premise isn't going to change, but maybe, you know, the flow will sort of settle down and whatnot. And it can turn into a good book, but I'm cautious. I, I get where you're hopeful. Like, what I see this book being is just this continuously. Like, we got Penelope Pitstop's backstory this time. Next issue, it'll cut back and forth with Dick Dastardly. The one after that, it'll cut back and forth with the fucking bare-headed guy well, than no, the three-dicked dude. And... Did you read the, the the like, second story, the backstory? No, I couldn't take anymore. It it was with the bear dude and Lazy oh. Luke, and okay. that was actually good because it, it felt like an actual story, and it was, like, what happened to them. So I'm like, all right, I get it. That's good. I hope they do that for everyone and just try not to explain it like Pit Stop, who they kind of just shoved in in one page. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm cautious. Okay. Fair enough. It's, uh, I, I didn't like the new Mad Max movie either. So maybe I'm just crazy. What, what do I know? Moving on. Uh, the flash rebirth. Dean, this was your book for the week, correct? Yeah, it was. Okay, good. Cause I didn't read it. So <laughs> <laughs> tell me what's going on. Uh, Okay. So we re- we all read Rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. the continuation of pretty much Rebirth. This follows Barry and Wally for a while. And again, it's another one of those, oh, hey, you're thinking about reading Flash? Oh, this is like the number zero. So here you go. And that, that's pretty much what it is. It just sets the stage for the new book and where it's going to be going. Uh, Barry and Wally are talking about, oh, you know, there's this guy watching us on the other side. We don't know who the fuck he is. Blah, blah, blah. It's got something to do with the speed force. He's messing around with all that stuff. He broke our timeline. People don't know who they are anymore. Some people are just totally out of uh, their own element. It's bad. It's bad, Barry. Fix it. Go talk to Batman. I'm going to go find the Teen Titans. Bye. And then he just fucking bounces, and that's the last we see of him. Uh, so it goes over to the Flash talking to Batman, and it's like, oh, great, all right. You know, Batman's like, something bad's happening. No shit, Batman. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, world's greatest detective. Greatest detective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, th- you see the comedian badge again, and Barry's like, all right, you know, we think it might be the Joker, but we're not sure because it doesn't really smell like the Joker. There's all sorts of weird radiation on this uh, from the blood trace. And, like, you, obviously they're hinting at Watchmen characters, so mm-hmm. it, it's it's just fucking touching on it. And, like, you're sniffing at it, you want them to say it, but they're not fucking saying it. They're just kind of walking around it. And it's, it's driving me fucking nuts because... Like, I get it. You're trying to set up for what's going to be the big story for The Flash, but I just want to know now. I don't want to wait. Just fucking tell me what I already know, that the Watchmen are fucking with the DC Universe. I don't I don't need, you know, you to go through all the different books telling me all these different things from different fucking characters that really do nothing. We're all just going to the first issue. I get it. That's what you want to do. You're setting the table. These really aren't doing uh, much for me. These Rebirth books are not doing much at all. Like, just fuck. We, how many have we read so far? Like, uh, I, I mean, each this of us have read two. Five? But Four or five, yeah. Well, we read Rebirth. We each read one, so that's five. <clears throat> then we've each read one, so that's seven now. Alright, like, just unanimously, you guys don't have to talk about your books, but do you feel like these books are pushing anywhere? No. Because well, I, I feel like they're stage setters, and that's what's kind yeah, of irking they me are. about them. They're just, they're like zero issues. Yeah, like, then call them zero issues. Call them Rebirth Flash Zero, because you tell me one, and I feel like I'm going to get something here, and I'm not. I'm spending money on a book <laughs> 
that like is essentially just telling me what I read in the Rebirth issue, which was good. Now you're just sort of reiterating things, which is not good. People don't want that. They want to move forward. We're just it's spinning tires. It's a great tires. jumping on point, Dean. It's, it's not, though. It's really fucking not. <laughs> like, Have you been out of the loop for a little while? Perhaps you gave up on issue three <laughs> of the entire New 52 like I did. <laughs> well, you know what? Um... My my biggest problem with this flashbook was that we got all that emotional stuff with Wally and Barry that was so good, like it was so well written, and then they just kind of highlighted. All right, I pulled him out, and that was it. That literally killed all the emotion there. It's not it's not there anymore. It doesn't doesn't hit you the same way. There wasn't that build up. So why even put it in the fucking book if it we already if. Your book is assuming that people sort of know what happened already. Why even go over it again? Or why not just put it in the first page in that synopsis? You ruined it by repeating it over again and, like, shortening it to just, a like, a cliff notes sort of thing where it was three panels. That that doesn't work. You, you broke a good moment. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, it, it kind of made me a little bummed out. I'm not saying it's a bad book. I know it's. I know what they're trying to do. I know they're just trying to set the stage for their new titles. But I wish they'd just get it over with already, because these rebirth books are nothing to write home about. Williamson just doesn't have the same flair that. Well, who wrote Rebirth? Jeff uh, Johns. Je- uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Johns. Exactly. Well, yeah. I yeah. Mean, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the the pedigree that comes with Johns is is just second there to none. There was no chance. Yeah. So I guess Williamson just phoned it in. He's like, I can't match that. <laughs> Just read Rebirth. At, like it had a couple <laughs> cool panels. There's a uh, full page, a full two page spread of Wally and Barry running together and stuff, and it's like oh, uh, it's it's the little thought bubbles with Wally's and Barry's, and uh, Wally says, you know, uh, Barry saved me again. He saved my life a second time. And then you see on Barry's side, it says, I know Wally thinks I saved him, but Wally was really saving me and brought me back. And I'm like, all right, you know, I th- that right that tried to write a wrong a little bit there, but and it's a cool page, but again, I just don't feel like these these books, uh, the Flash included, are doing enough to really get anyone to spend the money on it. Just buy Rebirth. That's what I'm gonna say. Just buy the Rebirth book, and that's it. All right, well, fair I enough. Think so, Matt, did you uh, did you read this, or did you get around to any of them? I did read this, but I don't really have much to contribute, except that all credit for this book goes to the colorist. Yeah, it the coloring looks good. I don't care for the art in it. Like, I flipped now, through it. I don't like guy, the way it looks. What did he do? He just did the last run of New Mutants, I think, over at Marvel. Yeah, I, I don't think he's right for The Flash. No, I don't think so. Whoever did the art, uh, the art was pretty good because they they got that lightning trail off of him and surrounding him and stuff. I did like that, and they did a good job on Wally. Um, well, that's because every line he draws looks like a lightning trail, <laughs> which works. <laughs> Mission I accomplished. Guess, yeah, I guess you're right. So pass. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm feeling a pass for for Flash. Uh, again, because you're not you're not missing anything. No, you're not. Just yeah. just read the Rebirth one book, and and if there's a second one, get that. I really don't think th- these side books that are jump starting the new issues are doing anything that you need to read. Uh, when Flash comes out, if you want to read Flash, just read that. Don't you don't need to read this one. All right. Well, did either of you read the Aquaman Rebirth? I did. I, mean, no. I, know, I know it was my assignment, but Matt, you read this? Yes. Would you like to talk about it, and then I'll just talk about Wonder Woman? I don't know if I can pull together enough coherent thought. Damn, why don't you lead us in and have Matt? <laughs> All right, I'll lead you in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Aquaman Rebirth, uh, written by Dan Abnett, with uh, art by, I believe, Scott Eaton. Art, um, inconsistent art, yes. I would say. Uh, like true. really strangely inconsistent in the artwork. Um, uh, but I believe it's Scott Eaton that did the art. Yeah. Um, we start off with uh, Aquaman uh, swimming through the ocean because, uh, you know, fish and whatnot. He's Aquaman. Um, there's uh, This book is all narration. Uh, spoilers for the end of the book. The narration 
is uh, all being done by, uh, and the reason I bring this up, it's all being done by uh, Black Manta. The, you know, Aquaman's big bad villain is revealed at the end. Fucking surprise. Um, in my head, as I started reading this book, uh, it was David Attenborough. Sure. Um, so, you know, the guy who does, like, the, the Planet Earth the stuff and whatnot. documentaries. Yeah. That's what I heard in my head as I was reading all of this narration, and there is a lot of narration in this book. Um, then when it got to the end and the reveal was uh, Black Manta didn't really fit anymore. But um, we get <clears throat> we get this kind of really nice explanation for why Aquaman is uh, important in the world. Is you know the world is covered by two thirds of the ocean, and this is the fucker in charge of all of it. So there's a lot of shit going on down there, and he's trying to keep the peace. So Aquaman is is an important uh, an important guy. And, you know, uh, we see that Aquaman is chasing somebody. It, uh, it immediately cuts over to the Spindrift Station, which we talked about a little bit a few weeks ago, is the uh, Atlantean Embassy on the dry land in Massachusetts. So up near uh, Boston, I imagine, because that's... Uh, we'll get to that. Um, Aquaman is, is chasing off uh, after a terrorist cell, a terrorist cell of Atlanteans called the Deluge, or the Deluge. Um, these are guys who absolutely want nothing to do with the surface world. They want Atlantis and the Drylanders, as they call them, to be completely separate, and they will do whatever they can to do that, including riding these fucking giant sea monsters. I mean, they look like Mosasauruses from, like, Jurassic World and shit, the, the one that jumps up out of the tank and fucking, I guess, spoilers again, eats the fucking... What is it? What was that thing called? The big Administrative dinosaur. Administrative assistant? No, the the big dinosaur that he chews up at the end after the T Rex fucks him up. Oh, the big, oh, the big yeah. bad the, the guy fucking, in Jurassic World. I, um, uh, like the Ultimo sort. Some stupid, some stupid fucking name they gave the stupid the fucking Ultra big sort. dinosaur. That's pretty much yeah. what they fucking called it. Yeah, pretty much. The, Whatever the fuck that thing was the called. Unobtainosaur. <laughs> the unobtainosaur. That thing, yeah, the Mosasaur that jumps up out of the water. That's kind of what these things look like. Um, so Aquaman shows up, and he, uh, he gets into a big fight with, uh, with these guys. He, uh, he kicks all of their asses. He punches one of the Mosasaurs in the face, knocks a couple teeth out of them. And while this is going on, the, the one thing I think this book did really well was it acknowledged the fact that Aquaman is kind of regarded as a joke. Um they kind of reference the fact that he's a superhero, but they, like, there's a panel that has him um, talking to fish. Version? Yeah, oh, the animated yeah. version, like, talking to fish in a cartoon, and it just has a little girl drawing pictures and laughing, saying, ha-ha, fishy. Like, they acknowledge that in pop culture, Aquaman is kind of a joke, and he doesn't actually talk to the fish. He has, like, a, a telekinetic connection between them because marine life are not smart enough to have actual conversations is what Black Manta says. But Duh. I think they I think they did a really nice job of kind of making him sympathetic. Making it yeah, sympathetic like it's like come on guys, Aquaman's pretty cool. Aquaman I remember when cool. they did the New 52 rebo reboot and mm -hmm. they had the Aquaman uh stuff going on, then they had Justice League and in both of those the first few issues he was Fucking insane. Like, the shit that he was doing, like, it made Superman look like a fucking bitch. Yeah, he did. Like, he's, I mean, it's a pretty strong character. Like, you know, it. I like Aquaman. I always have. But I think they did a really nice job with that. I, I mean, this is, this book was wordy as shit. And, like, I like the So many words. And whatnot. But, man, did we throw a lot of words in here. Um. So, anyway... Aquaman ends up uh, knocking out this uh, this terrorist guy, and uh, then he goes to a seafood restaurant, which... I, I thought that was... Fuck, I didn't know if up, that right? was okay, right? Is was that okay? The... Can he do that? Eat clam chowder with his wife? <laughs> Dude, he can do whatever he wants, man. I don't know, like, you, you guys don't watch Teen Titans Go, but, like, there's an episode of Teen Titans Go where uh, Aqualad takes uh, Terra out on a double date with Beast Boy and uh, the Raven, and... They order calamari, and as she, as Tara is about to eat one, like Aqualad's, it's who's voiced by Will Wheaton, screams like, "Mr. Belvedere, that is you!" 
you're about to eat the squid that raised me as a child. Like, that's what I felt like this was getting to. Oh my god, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, fucking Teen Titans Go is amazing. But, so they're sitting down and they're, they're eating uh, clam chowder at a seafood restaurant and Aquaman just kind of explains, uh, you know, these guys, we haven't heard from the deluge in quite some time and all of a sudden they attack today. Um, you know, maybe they've been talked into it by a third party or whatnot. And he and Mara have a conversation where, you know, Mara explains to him that like, look, you know, I know, I know keeping the connection to your surface world shit is important. So I do this for you, you know, and then the last panel is Black Manta or the son of Black Manta putting on the mask and, you know, Aquaman is a murderer and I will get revenge for my father. Um, so the the art the art really threw me off on here cuz I don't know I don't know if it's Scott Eaton the other artist on this book was uh Oscar Jimenez and the art oh, so was two guys. so so different yeah i mean so different like the way black manta this like this last page the inks are super dark and it it's a lot more photorealistic and the page right before it when they're in the in the restaurant is like traditional DC superhero artwork with inconsistent Aquaman hair length, which was annoying, but uh, the art styles do not mesh at all, which no. is a shame because I actually liked this book quite a bit. It It's silly. It was kind of silly the way it was done, excuse me, but uh, I dug it. Matt, I, like you read it. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good too. Um, It's, uh, what is it? It's, kind of the same situation where they're just taking you through like oh this is who he is in case you weren't paying attention and this is where he's at now so it's nothing really new I mean they introduce well I mean it's a it's kind of a semi reused villain his, his mm-hmm. son now and it, it it's okay it's you're jumping off point they're telling you where they're gonna go but they haven't actually gone there um and they're adding a little Spock to him Mm-hmm. They're emphasizing, at least in this issue, how he's he's uh, he's Aquaman, but he's from the surface, and he's always stuck a little between. And uh, I don't know right. if that's he's, been a big thing for him. He's from both him. places, but doesn't belong to either. You know, there's there's some good stuff to mine here and like tell good stories, but man, I don't know. I is the, Mera Lantian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She and they used to hate each other, and like she wanted to kill him and whatnot because, like, a lot of the Atlanteans don't like Aquaman at for whatever for not being true to his heritage or whatever. Yeah, they're well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is a weird book, it was a weird book. I don't know, and that I think that's the problem with these rebirth books so far is that I don't have any idea where they're going to go with these books so outside of green arrow which evan loved and has been getting rave reviews i don't know that i can comfortably recommend these to anyone because because they don't give you anything like i can't i can't kind of project where the story is going to go here yeah they don't really i mean he's gonna fight black manta the you know but is it gonna be the darker artwork is it gonna be more superhero is it gonna be the lighter stuff like there's a lot up in the air still, and that I, I mean think that's is, just a question of who's drawing it. But I think that's I, mean, I think that's troubling for a a rebirth book to not have for tonality. Yeah, to not have consistency. Like day one, you're already fucking up your consistency. Not a good sign. Which is a theme that we're going to talk about here in a second with Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, out of the Rebirth books this week, I think this was probably the best one. So I would say if you've got the extra three bucks, pick it up, but don't rush to get it. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it okay. I've Ever since we read, what did we read, 50? Read Aquaman 50? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I've never read Aquaman before, and I'm like, yeah, I could... I can read about this guy. Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? And then this this isn't uh this isn't forcing me away by any means. Right. It wasn't bad. It's okay. I mean, this 
this is okay for me because I don't know about them. Right. So if you go back a little bit and explain a few things, I'm like, okay, I can read that because I'm jumping on. Right. But I don't know if you're established in Aquaman, this is probably just stupid. <laughs> Fair enough. Dean, what do you think? Based on what no. we said. No? Okay. No. You didn't. All right. So two meh and a no. Fair enough. All right, so Wonder Woman Rebirth, um, written by Greg Rucka, which I was really excited about. And uh, it's a damn good thing that they have a writer as talented as Greg Rucka for the story they are trying to tell. Because here is what this book boils down to. Maybe some things have happened to Wonder Woman. Maybe she is an Amazonian princess made out of clay. Or... Maybe her mother slept with uh, with Zeus and Wonder Woman is the child of Zeus and her mother getting it on. Getting that good D. Or maybe she's not the only child. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Can we talk about Space Night? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, oh, is that? Oh. So maybe. Ah. She's one of two things. Written by Greg Rucka, Matthew Clark did the artwork for the first 14 pages. Uh, Liam Sharp did the artwork for the last five pages. Um, after we get this quick little intro, we see uh, we see Wonder Woman uh, kicking some ass in like a strip club, I'm guessing. That's right. Um, with, uh, you know, the artwork that started this book doesn't look bad but it looks like this guy is a big fan of the Greg Land style of drawing because Wonder Woman does not have the same face in any panel. That's true. There was also an issue on uh, on page number seven. Wonder Woman is saving, um, I'm guessing, a stripper from these guys that are like, I don't know, we're, we're not giving any backstory as to what is happening in this club. It's just Wonder Woman monologuing about what the hell her name means and you know are they is it admiration when they say wonder woman because they've never seen a woman like me before no it's not they wonder what i am you know who is this who, who, how could this person exist that sort of thing um but as she's fucking kicking ass in here the very last panel of the page the girl that she is saving has no eyes like just white and if you go up two panels above that, she's got green eyes. And like and now she looks like a zombie. Really bugged me. Like completely took me out of the story because I was like, oh fuck is she a zombie? Shit. I think her eyes are closed, Dan. No, no, they're they're white. I'm looking at them. <laughs> fucking like I can see the upper eyelashes, the lower eyelashes, and fucking white. Look, if, Dan, they were on a deadline, and, if, and uh, well, know, but they had can't be if you're gonna have can't be artists. checking over every panel. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So, what? she's got no eyes. So then she pops out, and she's in her brawn panties, and Wonder Woman's flying away, and uh, you know she's saying, "I used to think that the truth mattered. Um, I think it does, or maybe it never did." She has Ares' helmet there, the the God of War's helmet, and uh, she puts it on. She thinks she's the God of War. And then we flash back to, like, you know, maybe I was from Themyscira and I was chosen to, you know, bring this dying sailor who was the first man to come to Themyscira in fucking forever. Or, or, uh, maybe I was a herald of Ares and, uh, fighting, uh, which is kind of what I think was happening in Flashpoint. If I am correct, I wasn't reading a lot of DC at that point. Um... And then we flash back, and then Wonder Woman's, like, going to the beach. And then she crushes Ares' helmet. And she wraps the lasso of truth around her arm and asks who she is. She says, Wonder Woman. Um, she's queen of the Amazons. And then, boom, here's the big thing. She has been deceived. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. And then I th what I thought was the best page in the book, uh, she punches this mirror that she's looking at, um... And the word bubble in, on the page is, no wonder the story keeps changing. And all the little different shards of glass that are breaking off have different versions of Wonder Woman on them, like throughout her continuity. So, the, so this might actually tie into something then. 
Right. It 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 actually might. She like there's a panel of her like fighting uh, Cheetah, and then there's her in her modern costumes. Um, there's her hooking up with Superman. There's her dealing with her dying mother. There's like old pictures of her old costumes. There's the stuff where she was blind. Like there's a whole bunch of different stuff in here, and it's a pretty cool looking panel. But she uh, she says, you know, I lost myself. I don't know who I am, but I have to go find out what's going on. So she, you know, I'm not not going to be the superhero. She takes off the superhero costume and puts on um, a fucking like a costume of basically the, the of the gods, cinematic. right? Yeah. The cinematic, the cinematic costume. costume. Yeah. Um, and she goes off to Olympus. She, like, magics herself away to Olympus. But when she gets there, she finds out it's not Olympus. And there are still things that are Olympian there, like the automatons made by Hephaestus to protect Mount Olympus. And she's fighting all them and fucking them up and whatnot. And the action scenes look pretty cool because this is now the second artist on, on the book. Um, but she says, you know this is not Olympus and I will have the truth. You know, somebody is afraid of me and they should be. And it's like, okay, cool. But then the, what has me very concerned here is the little blurb at the bottom. Um, follow Wonder Woman worried about this in too. two alternating stories as she untangles the mysteries of her present and her past. No, stop it. God <laughs> like, damn it. Terrible Jesse. idea. What are you doing? Real bad idea. Greg Ruck is a very talented writer. Greg Ruck is very good. And like I said, this I enjoyed this issue. Um, I think it did a good job of setting up. Like this, this of, of all the Rebirth issues actually seemed to be moving a story forward to something. That's true. But man, this could get real fucking confusing real quick. And I, like, and I know last week we just talked about how much we love Moon Knight, the the new Moon Knight book at Marvel, and we have no idea what the fuck's going on, and that is a very confusing book as well. But it's so charming and so fun that... And it's one point in time. Right. This... This is going to be a fucking clusterfuck. And... It it doesn't matter how good of a writer you are. If you have a shitty plot, it's going to come out bad. It's not even a shitty plot. It's just that you're telling one story within one series uh, every two weeks and then the alternating two weeks are what is essentially a completely different story yeah but the same book not like uh you know wonder woman of the past and wonder woman now look to me it sounds like choose your own adventure (laughs) and uh i'm not feeling that because well yeah i mean that's but that's stupid that's what it says at the bottom, you know, after the, the untangling the mysteries and whatever. In two weeks, we get Wonder Woman number one, The Lie Begins, and then... Which is ju- the present. Which is the present, and then July 13th, Wonder Woman number two is the start of Wonder Woman year one. Which is also a thing they've already... Oh, wait, that was Earth one. No, yeah. this is... This makes even less sense. So, like, it's, it's the same fucking... You're not even splitting the book titles up. It's the same book. No. What? Now they're forcing it on you. Yeah. Not to mention they're doing a weird thing where the fact I could also have this entirely wrong because I don't follow DC until right now. But um, so you got Wonder Woman and Mm -hmm. her memory's fucked up and she doesn't quite know who or what she is. Okay, fine. And then with the Flash, you got just a bunch of different Flashes. Mm -hmm. And then with Superman, you got at least two Clark Kent, Superman running around, maybe three, and there probably been more. So, like, the fact that they, well, the fact that they essentially reboot every five years or so, takes a different toll on each character. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's just two of them, or there's just five of them, or she's just becoming schizophrenic, Mm -hmm. or temporally unstuck, or something like that. Like, there's not even... There's no semblance of consistency whatsoever. It's it's a frightening prospect for DC. It really fucking is. Because, uh, oh boy. I don't know. I mean, Matt, you, so you read this book, Matt. Um, what do you think? Is it worth picking up? I thought it was pretty good until we talked about it. Now I don't <laughs> like it as much. <laughs> I'm kind of feeling the same way. I thought it was pretty good. And then we started talking about it. I realized I don't like it as much. 
Which is and how I feel with a lot of DC shit. Like, I go see the, the movies and then I come home and I'm like, Ugh, that wasn't so great. Yeah, the splitting split the series, series is... Such a mistake. I don't know. This one I would actually recommend that you pick up because I this is a book you got to judge for yourself. Like, I can't definitively say that this is good or bad. The new 52 Wonder Woman book that Brian Azzarello did, definitively that book was great. You should have been reading that book. This one, I got nothing. I don't know. I liked it until about 12 minutes ago. All right, fair enough. So let's move on. We got two more books to get to, and I enjoyed the shit out of both of these books. Um, let's start with uh, Lumberjanes Gotham Academy, one of six. Written by uh, China Clugston Flores, with art by uh, Rosemary Valero O'Connell, and inks by Maddie Gonzalez. All right. Uh, I, I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really read this book. I. Um, <laughs> I, I hit the the forward page a bunch of times mm-hmm. till uh, till I got to the end of the book, and then I did that two more times, which took me all of five minutes, and I understood what was going on. I looked at the pictures, so it's a really good picture book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I all I know is that Professor McPherson's gone from the academy, and the kids go looking for, her, and then the lumberjanes are out, and then skull people. And then River Crossing. And then the end, next issue, it's exciting. Yay. It's not a bad book, though. I mean, I, I from reading the pictures, from watching the pictures, I, I want to read the next issue. I, maybe I'll go back and read this issue. You should. It was really good. The I love the Lumberjanes book. I think it's one of the most charming and, and fun books that's out on the stands month to month. Um, you know, it's just, it's a very cool book. There's a lot of really fun ideas. It's 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 got a lot of the heart and soul of like a Calvin and Hobbes, you know, just kind of like that everything is an adventure kind of feel to it, um, and mixing that with Gotham Academy, which I I don't know much about. I think I maybe read the first issue. Um, basically, what's what's happening here is one of the professors, Professor McPherson from Gotham Academy, has gone missing. Her office has been torn to shit. Um, there is an invitation to a weekend retreat. Uh, celebrating somebody's birthday in 1986, but the invitation looks completely new. <clears throat> the uh, the kids from Gotham Academy, I'm assuming this is just whatever the regular cast is, decide to steal Professor McPherson's car and drive up to this location. At the same time, the Lumberjanes, uh, one of their camp counselors, a lady named Rosie, has also gone missing. Uh, so they are going up to go find them, and their their troop leader, Jen, uh, is going to take them up there, even though she doesn't want to take the Lumberjane Scouts up there because she's in charge of them. She has to keep them safe. Like, that's her job. And they always get up to some fucking ridiculous shit in the Lumberjanes book. And, you know, Dean was pretty much right. Like, as you're going through the book, that's pretty much what happens here. We're setting up these characters to meet. They meet in the woods. And as they are meeting in in the woods, these fucking like deer skull headed fucking things, like ring wraiths almost, come out of the woods, and they have kind of like electric hands, and they tell them that they're trespassers, and they ask them very nicely to go with them. They ask the lumberjanes and They'll the Gotham wait. Academy kids. They say, "We're waiting. Uh, please come with us." And one of them figures out that he said trespassers, so they have to run and like try and find like where the property line is, so that these guys won't chase after them happens to be over a river. We see different groups of kids pair off and come up with different ways to get across the river, so it's introducing us to them like being problem solvers or some of these kids are more clever than others, you know, they have different ways of approaching situations. And uh the the main counselor Jen goes back to uh help who, one of the main kids from Gotham Academy and I apologize for not knowing more about that book. But all that being said, this book was a lot of setup and super charming. I love the artwork in it. It's perfect for what it needs to be. I'm into the story. I'm curious to see where this goes. I think it was a great book. I think you should pick it up. Matt, what did you think? Um, I wasn't a huge fan, mm-hmm. but that's okay. <laughs> what didn't you like? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I can't put my finger on it. It just didn't do it for me, but okay. I, it's... Dean was right. It has quality, high quality visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. So you could 
get through, even just kind of skimming through it. You know what happened, and that's good. That's to their credit. Um, I all of the Boombox sure. books do, like Boom's little imprint, the Boombox imprint. All of their books are basically cartoons, so the visual storytelling is very strong in them. There was a preview for another, a new book of theirs called The Backstagers about. I don't know, a group of, like, stagehands at, like, a high school musical kind of play. But thing. there's a dragon. But there's dragons and shit, but, like, the visual storytelling was really strong in that, too. It looked very much like Steven Universe, you know, that style of artwork. So if that's a thing that you're into, those sort of cartoons, you know, the Rick and Morty stuff or Steven Universe or, um, you know, that sort of storytelling, you know, these books are, I, I definitely, I think they're worth it. You know, so two yeses and a no. Lumberjanes for a million years, Morty. I'm in. I'm in. I love it. All right. Last book of the week. Show's running a little, well, not terribly long. Um, it's fine. I just, I feel way more upset about the DC Rebirth books now that we've talked about them. Like, I've read them and I was like, I, hey, I'm sorry. It was, it was my stigma. I apologize. <laughs> they're literally less good now that we've discussed them and understand them better. <laughs> they really are. Son of a bitch. Sorry, DC. So, I mean, we should obviously not speak of them ever again mm. and vaguely enjoy them from here on out. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Speaking of vaguely enjoying versus a book that we usually love, Venom Space Knight number eight. Now, still written by Robbie Thompson, but no Ariel Olivetti this Very time around. Very disappointing to find out. Kim Jacinto. Not bad artwork, but man, is it different. Yeah. I I, I I want owl boobs back because this was upsetting. <laughs> I do not like the way Kim Jacinto drew Flash in this book. No. I don't like Flash's face in this book. I like what this story tried to do. So basically, in the last issue, Venom, the symbiote itself, has gone rogue. Nuts. It's gone fucking Full crazy. Full evil. No 110% longer, evil. Yeah, 110%. No longer cleansed of his, uh, of his anger or anything like that. And what I thought was really cool that they did in this book is now the Venom symbiote has stolen a spaceship and is going back to all the places that Flash and Venom collectively saved and unsaving them. <laughs> He's just going in and fucking shit back up, which I think is pretty awesome. Naturally, Flash and his uh, his space murder panda and snake-headed lady and Skrull and 803 are chasing after Venom as all oh. this is happening. Nobody has a lower jaw. Look at the characters. Yeah, there's no... It, it, there's Nobody a weird... has a lower jaw. It's weird. You're uh, right. I think that's it. The style was more like um, Eastern-inspired to me. I feel like it was what... Jeez. Uh... Oh, something like One Piece looks like, and then just more westernized after that. I feel like it had an inspired, like, more Eastern feel to it. No one was bulky or, like, mm -hmm. you know, that classic hero look anymore. They all kind of had a slimmer figure mm -hmm. now. So, I mean, I, I I didn't really enjoy the art, but, I mean, the story was still pretty good. Good yeah, Venom like, work. It's cool. Yeah, yeah his Venom was, was really awesome. But, so... They're going at, uh, around trying to find the symbiote. The symbiote's on a pleasure planet. They uh, they show up, and uh, the bartender's telling a story like, Venom just came in here, he fucked everything up, and uh, he left every... He drank everything in the bar except for this one bottle, and he said, you know, I'm leaving it for uh, for my old buddy. And, uh, you know, Flash used to be an alcoholic or whatever, you know, his old drinking buddy. So, you know, Flash is all pissed off. They're going to go find him. They're going to fight. And as they're talking, uh, the space murder panda and her child are in the ship and Venom attacks them, you know, trying to draw Flash out. And as they're all fighting, you know, we get we get the first image of, like, just big, giant, bulky Venom um, just being old school Venom, you know, like with the, the extra S's on everything he says and whatnot and just fucking shit up. He basically destroys all of Flash's friends and Flash follows him up onto his uh onto his spaceship. And as they're on the spaceship, the symbiote starts talking to Flash and says, "You know, like, look Flash, let me level with you. You were never a good person. You were a bully in high school, you were an alcoholic, 
you were horrible to your wife, you were a nasty, you know, drunk, even worse after you lost your legs. You're you're a shit dick, Flash, and so am I. Like, I'm gonna bring you to this place where my first host brought me, and it was, you know, his home world, and we murdered everybody. Cause that's what we do. We're bad people. And I, I don't I it had to be it had to be on purpose because Flash is like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna kill me here, and and the symbiote says, no, today is not a day of death. Today is a day of rebirth. Another and, rebirth book. But that had to be on purpose. Like it's all big and emboldened shit. Um. So you know they're they're walking around, and Venom has dug a grave. There is a headstone that says Flash Thompson on it, and he fucking pops up out of the grave and just envelops Flash. And the very last panel that we get is Flash Thompson is dead. Long live Venom to be continued. Like, all right. It was a good book. I really missed Ariel Olivetti's artwork, though. Yeah. I did not enjoy this book as much as I normally do. Dean, what did you think? Uh, The art was a little bit of a bummer. I'm a little confused where the story's going. I was just kind of hoping we were going to get Star Trek Adventures with Venom. Mm -hmm. And that's not happening anymore. We are not Mm -hmm. getting that. We're going off on a really depressing tangent now. Unless unless 803 comes by and he just bitch slaps the shit out of Flash. Then then we cool. Then we cool. And that might be where we're going. I mean, who knows? That's almost inevitably where we're going because he's not going to lose. Right. You would hope not anyway. I mean, I don't know. I Serious conclusion. Ep- issue 9. <laughs> Venom wins. Flash is dead. Oh, shit. This isn't what I want from this book. Like, at all. You know, I, and that that was pretty, uh, it was pretty jarring to read. Not a bad book. I think it's a worthwhile addition to the series, but it is not necessarily what I want or expect from I, this title. I think he needs to get a new symbiote if this is going to keep going and... Uh, Venom That'd needs be cool. Venom needs to go back to someone else, someone older. I mean, we haven't seen Eddie Brock in a while. Fucking bring him in, just have him isn't run he, around the galaxy. Isn't he like super dead? It, it's a new universe. We don't know what the fuck's happening anymore. Oh, that's true because ooh, Eddie Brock became anti Venom, who I really liked, and then they killed him. Well, no, yeah. no, they killed the symbiote. Then he came well, back as Toxin. Yeah. He came back as Toxin. Yeah. Is that? Does that happen in Carnage USA? I don't know. Uh, I I don't even know if Carnage USA was canon, uh, to be honest. Oh, I hope. Well, I don't. I don't really. I don't know if I care if it was because I thought that was awesome. I, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 Carnage USA is supposed to be a pretty good book. However, I like like I said, I don't know if. Uh, hang on, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll I'll look it up. You guys keep talking for a minute. But Dan, it's very concerning because in the uh, preview for issue nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flash is not enveloped by Venom, which is good, but he's Venom is beating Flash with 803's arm. Mm. Yeah, I'm a little afraid. Okay, uh, so here we go. Just a quick synopsis. In 2008, after being separated from the Venom symbiote, he gains a new symbiote and becomes the anti-hero anti-Venom. However, the symbiote is sacrificed to help cure the... Sp- uh, excuse me, Spider Island epidemic during the 2011 storyline. In 2012, he is bonded to the Toxin symbiote. Though he is a human with no powers, the Venom symbiote bestows upon him a range of abilities, including many of the powers belonging to Spider-Man, the symbiote's original host. Yeah, I don't, All right. Yeah, I don't know what... To- I've seen the Toxin thing. It's really weird. It's like a fucking weird mix of Venom, Carnage, and like part white thing put together I, I i've seen a lot of weird shit i think uh the toxin one is like a spin-off of the carnage symbiote though mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i don't know it's it's probably not good oh toxin is a juvenile symbiote again i i'd like to I... see this this go somewhere where you know Eddie, uh, Flash gets a good Clintar, one that would actually help him rather than he'd have to battle it, you know, which 
he was sort of doing with Venom. And it's all weird. Like, Venom can kind of just walk beside him and be, like, its own thing. Like, that... We, we've never seen that before, and Venom's been established in this universe for a very long time, so it's yeah. a little odd. But, I, I mean, besides that, I, I would like to see this keep going, and I, I want to see Flash keep going, because it's a good character. He's he's funny, he's quippy, he he does make a good space-faring captain. So I don't want to see this end. I don't want to see, like, just Venom fall off or go back to being Eddie's, like, uh, not Eddie. Um, Flash's like subservient symbiote. Either they need to have him jump off that or kill him, and Flash gets something else. Yeah this uh, this this book really took a uh, took a hard left with this issue. This issue is unlike any other issue that's come before it. And if it's in the service of a larger story, then fine. Um, or Robbie Thompson's out of shit. It's gonna be okay, guys. <laughs> it's Venom Space Knight. We love so. it. I hope so. I'm I'm really pulling for him. Poor Flash. It's Poor gonna Flash. be okay. Thanks, well, Matt. That made me feel better. I gotta tell you, I liked all of these books way more before we talked about them, except for Lumberjanes. I really did enjoy the shit out of that book this week. That's fun. Um, I, so I are we saying pick up Venom? I. Yeah, I guess you gotta like, I mean, you gotta pick up Venom so they keep making. Venom. Yeah, we we've been following this right. through, man. I mean, we're we're on the like the the fucking fan club, the boat for this one. We got a cruise <laughs> ship going around, man. Jump on the Venom cruise ship, man. We'll we'll follow it till it hits an iceberg and sinks. We don't fucking care. We'll go down with the damn ship. <laughs> Fair enough. So buy Venom, buy Gotham Academy Lumberjanes, and uh, maybe leaf through the Rebirth books. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, treat treat your store as a library. Don't listen to whoever's yeah. in charge. Yeah, whoever's yelling at you to like, ah, you can't just look at it. You got to buy it. Like, tell them the fuck off. No, don't do that. Um, no, don't do that. Come on. No, that's support your Come local on. support your local comic book store. Um, that's right. With that being said, announcer guy, tell us a couple things. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geekade crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geekade website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geekade by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekade.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan. Thanks again, announcer guy. And once again, thank you for making it through another 45 minutes to an hour, uh, how, depending on the edits, of us talking about comic books. No we really edits. do. <laughs> I know. I say edits, hoping that they will happen one day. Um, <laughs> we really do appreciate you guys taking the time each and every week, week to, uh, to listen to us. When, when you have a minute, if you could head over to iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. It's the easiest way to get eyes and ears on the shows. Absolutely free. Helps move us up the charts. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email. That's mail at geekade.com. If you want to get a hold of us individually, you can follow us on many different forms of social media. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Geekade Dan. You can follow Dean on Twitter. At Kimono underscore Vestlord. You can follow Matt on Twitter. At Geekade Matt. Dean, what is our Instagram for Geekade? At Geekade. Just at Geekade. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was underscores because I'm a bad employee. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram at Geekade for pictures of the different conventions. We're going to be going and doing a lot of stuff over this summer, a lot of different shows. So there'll be a ton of pictures up, cool cosplays, maybe some interviews, some stuff that we're doing. Um, so always check us out there. Join us again next week where we have a whole new batch of stuff to talk about and maybe Evan will make his way out of the city. Maybe not. Who knows? Until that time. For Matt Much, for Dean DeFalco, for Evan Goldstein, and for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan. Trucker hat. Trucker hat.